Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. So we're in a series called Simple Church. Following Jesus doesn't have to be complicated. And the goal of this series is to kind of remove the complexity that we sometimes feel there is about church, about a relationship with God. But the truth is, and we all know this, but sometimes it's good to affirm it, is you don't need a PhD in theology to follow Jesus. You don't need to have spent thousands and thousands and thousands of hours studying scripture. You don't need to have X number of passages of scripture memorized. You don't even need to attend church X number of times in a year, although if you're here last week, you know that meeting together as a community is something good that helps build us up. But the truth is, there is no prerequisite course to have a relationship with Jesus. In fact, what God invites us into is something that he freely gives to us. There's no course, there's just a gift. And that gift that God gives to us is himself. He gives us a relationship with him. He gives all of this freely to us so that we can come into a relationship with him to know our creator, to know who has a plan for us, to know who is in control of everything. So the question that always comes up to my mind is sometimes this one, why? Why does God choose to do everything he does for us? Because we don't have actually a part in this. We just get to accept it. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to work for it. God just gives it to us and we get to choose to accept it. So why does God choose to do that? Maybe that, maybe that's just a question. I'm the only one that asks that. Maybe that isn't your question, but the truth is underneath this. And again, it's something simple that we all know, but we all need to keep hearing it again and again and again is this simple truth. God loves you. Everything that God has done is because of his love. Everything he's done for us, everything he's done to draw us close to him is because of his love. And later on, after Jesus' death and resurrection, one of his disciples, John, was writing a letter to a group of churches to try and encourage them. And this is the way he summarizes it near the end of his first letter he writes. He says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God. We didn't have to love him first to receive this but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. This is the gospel summarized down as small as we can get it to say that because of God's love for us, because he made a way open, because he chose to take his divinity and step into humanity, to step into our world, to be a sacrifice so that we could have a path open to God. So when we see this real love, How do we fully experience it? Because we can know of it, but if we want to fully experience God's love, if we want to feel this real love that God talks about in his scripture time and time again, we have to choose to accept it. We have to choose to step forward. And we've been building towards this through our series. We began by talking about how one of the simple things we can do if we want to grow in our faith is we need to recognize that everyone can grow. Where God meets us on our journey is not where God wants to leave us. In fact, God's desire is to lead us on a journey that takes us closer to him. Choosing to accept the free gift that God gives us is actually choosing to accept a journey. Choosing to accept a life of letting God transform us and shape us and change who we are. 
And then last week, we talked about how everyone can find community. That God designed for our faith to be something that we share with one another. Sometimes we think our faith is meant to be private, but it's not. It is meant to be personal. It's meant to be personally real for you, but it's not meant to be something private that we hide away. Our faith is meant to be personal and communal, and communal means that we share it with one another. We experience God's love more fully when we are with one another, when we experience the care and the love of community around us as we're there for each other through difficult times. And we actually launched uh, two more life groups this week, and I'm so excited about the journey that these two groups will be on, joining our other groups that are already in process of when people choose to commit to spend time together, studying scripture, praying for one another, caring for one another, being there through life's significant moments. That is one of the ways we experience God's love. And that leads us today, and as Alistair mentioned already, we're talking about prayer. Everyone can pray. And prayer is simply this. Prayer is simply communicating with God. Sometimes we add more to prayer than there is, but prayer is just communicating with God. If we're going to have a relationship with God, we have to communicate with them. We know this with our friendships. If you want to keep a friendship with someone, you have to communicate with them. You've got to be in touch. And yes, there's those friendships where your lives you know, part paths for a while and then you catch up and it's just like it was when you last saw them. But wouldn't that relationship have been even richer if you got to keep communicating with one another, if you got to stay in touch? And so prayer is simply how we communicate with God. But when we communicate with God, something really amazing happens. Because when we communicate with God, when we spend time in prayer, it takes us beyond knowing about God. It takes us to a place of being with God. Because we can study God at a distance. We can memorize scripture cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. We could study and know everything. We could have a, you know, you could get a PhD in theology and write scholarly articles and understand scripture in ways that no one ever understood it before. But you could still do that. And if you missed prayer, you would know about God, but you would not be with God. See, Prayer is what takes our faith out of the realm of intellectual in our heads and into our hearts, into a place we can experience it, into a place where we can feel God's love with us. Prayer is what leads to that. In fact, as one pastor put it, he said, the average North American Christian is about 3,000 Bible verses overweight. It's wonderful that people understand what they believe, but knowledge in and of itself is not a hallmark of Christian maturity. As Paul says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. See, we experience God's love deeper when we choose to communicate with him. When we lean into a relationship with him, that is when we actually get to experience this real love that John describes is we have to find a relationship with God that goes beyond just knowledge about God. And so if we want to experience and live in the fullness of God's love for us, which I really hope you do, we must seek an intimate relationship with God. Now, if you're just kind of on, if you're just checking this place out, if you're just like, I don't know where I'm at about faith, you might look at that and be like, an intimate relationship with God? Like, do I really want to be that close to him? And what I want to encourage you to do is ask questions, to lean in, to seek for God. Because what we find when we lean closer to God, when we find that deep connection with him, when we get to experience his love in dwelling in us because of who he is, not because of what we've done, but because of who he is, 
That is where we find the fulfillment of, that God calls us to. That's where we find the life abundant that Jesus talks about, is when we are in an intimate relationship with God. And it is impossible to have an intimate relationship with God without prayer. Because again, we could know everything about God, but if we don't make the choice to pray, if we don't make the choice to communicate with God, then we're choosing to kind of separate ourselves. To say, oh yeah, it's like I follow you the way I follow someone on social media. I know about them, but they don't know me, and and we have no direct um, communication or conversations. That's not what God wants for us. God actually wants this intimate, close relationship where he gets to tell you about who he has created you to be where he gets to shape and encourage you with his love the way that he always desires to. And so when we come to prayer, when we come to this topic, there's always three questions that come up. And so we're going to spend our time today focusing on these three questions. What do I pray about? How do I pray? And how does God answer prayer? Because those are the big three. And and just to be honest, we're going to cover a lot of ground today. And so for some of these, I'm not going to be able to give a scripture passage for every one, just because we still are going to take communion today. And we want to have time for that to dwell in God's presence through communion. But let's start with this one. What do I pray about? And one of Jesus' other disciples, Peter, wrote a letter to the church where he gave some really great instructions, really clear about what should we pray about. He said this, give the big things to God. Wait, wait a second. That isn't quite right. No, he said this, give only the important things to God. Uh, No, that isn't quite right either. Then he said, give only what you can't handle to God. And that's actually where most of us probably are sometimes when we come across something that we can't face. We're just like, okay, God, I'm going to give this one to you. That's not what Peter said either. In fact, this is what Peter says. He says, give all your worries and cares to God. All, not just the big, not the small, not just the ones you can't handle. Give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because he cares for you. When we ask, what should I pray about? Peter says, give everything to God because he cares for you. And yes, God knows everything going on in our lives at all times anyways, but God wants to hear it from us. God wants that connection with us. He doesn't want to just be some figure off in the distance that just intersects our lives at times we choose. He wants to be with us always. And then Paul, the apostle who came along a little after the disciples, wrote this to the Philippian church to to reinforce what Peter already wrote. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about anything everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So what should we pray about? Pray about everything. Whatever's on your mind, whatever's burdening you, whatever challenges you're facing, whatever you're going through, God wants to hear about it. God wants to talk with you about it. God wants to be present in those moments with you. And oftentimes, we don't feel like, we feel like God's presence isn't with us, but it is. We're just not recognizing it. And if we take this perspective of choosing to pray about everything, no matter what situation you're facing, no matter what you're in, this is when we start to recognize and realize God's presence is with us through everything. It's through prayer. So what do we pray about? Pray about everything. Nothing is too big or too small. In fact, my daughter Olivia, often at bedtime, will say, like, what should we pray about? And there was a a phase in her life where she would every night say, let's pray for Bunny, 
her stuffed animal. And it's like, okay, let's pray about Bunny because that's what's on her heart. That's what's on her mind. And I hope that as she grows up, she'll maybe mature beyond that. But if she still wants to pray for her bunny when she's 18 or 30, go for it. God will accept that. God wants us to pray for everything. So then there's the next one. How do I pray? How do we pray? If we've chosen, okay, I'm going to choose to pray about everything. I'm going to pray about this situation I'm facing. I'm going to pray about whatever's in front of me. How do we pray? And this is something that Jesus taught about often. And we're going to go to a chunk of the Gospel of Matthew where, uh, that's part of the Sermon on the Mount at Matthew 6. And this is when Jesus, he was on this hillside near Judea and he is preaching to the crowds. There's a great crowd of people that gathered and Jesus gives this long, single chunk of teaching. And in the middle of it is this portion about prayer. And Jesus says this, He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward you will ever get. He says, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. And what Jesus is actually doing is he's calling out the behavior of the religious leaders of the day where they would purposely pray on busy street corners and shout at the top of their lungs because what they were really doing is they wanted everyone else walking by to go, wow, look how religious that person is. Wow, look how faithful they are that they go pray on the street corner and shout and interrupt everyone else's day with their prayer. No, what Jesus is saying in this is he's saying, check your motive. Why are you praying? Are you praying because you want other people to think you have a relationship with God? Or are you praying because you actually want a relationship with God? Jesus is not forbidding praying in public or praying in groups with this passage because there's too many examples of the disciples and the early church praying together and praying in groups for us to say that Jesus meant don't pray with other people. Prayer should be something you only ever do solo. That's not what this is getting at. Jesus is saying, check your motives. Are you praying to get the prestige and respect of other people? Or are you praying because you want more of God? Are you praying because you're hungry for God? Are you praying because you want to take everything going on and let God be part of it and invite him into that through prayer? So then Jesus continues And he says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. He says, don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Our prayers are not answered by saying the same prayer time and time and time and time again. Now, there is a passage of scripture, there's a parable that Jesus tells where he tells the story of a persistent widow who kept going to this unjust judge and saying, you need to settle my case, you need to settle my case, you need to settle my case. And eventually this unjust judge says, give that woman justice, settle her case because she's annoying the daylights out of me. See, Jesus is, tells that parable to remind people we need to always keep coming to God. But if we keep coming to God with a rehearsed written out prayer, where we just say the same thing over and over and over again. God is saying, I want something more than that. Imagine if you had a a friendship where you had the exact same conversation with him every single time. You kind of, after a while, just go like, really? Come on, you got something else to say? 
You know, if you had the exact same text conversation with someone time and time and time over again, you'd, you'd eventually be like, come on, you got, got something more to say? That's the way God is. He wants us to talk about everything. He wants us to tell him about whatever's going on. And so then Jesus gives an example prayer. And the funny thing is, is we call this the Lord's Prayer. But I was reading a book recently, the author pointed out, why do we call it the Lord's Prayer? Because in this prayer, we ask for forgiveness. Jesus never actually had to ask for forgiveness. Really, this is the disciples' prayer. Because this is Jesus telling the disciples, here's a format for how to pray. And so Jesus says this, he says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so these first four lines are all about alignment, and actually they're about worship. Worship isn't just what we do with music. Worship is when we are aligning our hearts to that which is worthy. And so these words, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come soon, is about aligning ourselves to say, God, you are in heaven, you are supreme, you are all-knowing, you are all-being, you are everything. May your kingdom, may the way that you want this world to be, become our reality. This is about alignment and worship. This is how Jesus starts the prayer, is aligning ourselves to God. And then it goes on, it says, give us today the food we need. Ask for what you need. Paul, we already saw that in in Paul's letter to the Philippians. It says this, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who've sinned against us. Every time we come to God and we want to ask for forgiveness, we need to examine who are we harboring unforgiveness to? Who has offended us that we are holding on to a grudge or bitterness And it's up to us to say, are you going to let go of that? Because Jesus actually goes on and says, if you can't forgive others, then your Father in heaven won't be able to forgive you. We actually have to keep short accounts and forgive others so that we can receive God's forgiveness. It's freely given. It's always there. But we have a part to play in it. And that is that acceptance, and we accept it by forgiving others. And then Jesus ends, he says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. This is a prayer of protection of God be with me, God guide me, God lead me, protect me from that which would attempt to harm me. And so if we take this Lord's Prayer, Disciples' Prayer, whatever we want to call it from Matthew 6, I want to encourage you, if you're like, I don't know how to pray, take this as a format. You don't have to repeat the words exactly, but take each chunk of it and pray about these in your own words. So start with aligning your heart to God. As you pray, do you recognize who God is? Do we recognize his love for us? Do we recognize that his ways are superior to our ways? Do we pray for his will to happen? Do we pray for this world and our lives and our communities and our neighborhoods and our friends to be transformed by God? And then do we ask for what we need? Do we lay out in front of God, this is what I'm facing, this is where I need to see you, this is what's going on, this is the tangible need we have that we don't know how to meet, God? God wants to know those things. And we've got to ask for forgiveness. Ask God to examine us and reveal places where we need forgiveness. At the same time, to point out people that we may be harboring unforgiveness towards. Let God prompt you with the names of the people that you need to forgive and pray blessings for them. And then don't forget to also pray for protection. Pray for God to be with you. Pray for God to guide you. This is a simple format that anyone could follow. 
If we say, what do we pray about? Everything. How do we pray? Here's a template. You don't have to follow it. I'm just offering it as this is a tool that you could use to help you organize your prayer. But then we come to the big one. And this is the one that oftentimes we get sometimes bogged down in. And and again, I'm going to move quickly through this. Is this one, how does God answer prayer? How does God respond to prayer when we have an ask, when we are spending time in prayer? And I'm going to walk you through a bunch of different ways that God can choose to respond to our prayers. And some of these you may have experienced. Some of these you're like, I don't know if that one's real. Some of them you might be like, I don't think God can answer that way. But I guarantee you, every one of these people have heard God respond to prayer through these ways. And the first one is is this, leading us to a passage of Scripture leading us to something in God's word that is directly applicable to the situation we're facing. This one happens common and frequently if you're spending time reading God's word and you've been praying about something, you might come across this verse that the Holy Spirit just seems to illuminate off the page and it kind of jumps out at you and you're like, wait a second, that's the situation I'm facing. Here's what I need to do. God often speaks through his written word to us by making it come alive. Another way that God often speaks is through other people. That as we're in community with one another, as we're talking with one another, as we talk about this problem we're facing, sometimes God might have given the other person the wisdom and the message that you need to hear. And as you're talking with someone, you might not even recognize it, that this is actually wisdom from God, that this is from their walk with God, that God is giving to you through them. Then there's times where we will get promptings from the Holy Spirit. You'll get this kind of inward nudge or a feeling from the Spirit saying, here's what you got to do. Here's what you need to focus on. You know, and, and sometimes when I've experienced this, it's been like, go find that person and pray for them. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to pray for them. Just go find them and pray for them. And it's like, okay. And as we choose to follow these promptings, that, that's how we become more sensitive to them. That's how we start to recognize them easier. And then there's this one, the quiet voice and the audible voice. Sometimes God will speak with either a quiet voice inward to us or the louder audible voice. And and in my own experience, this isn't the norm for everyone, but in my experience, God's only ever used the audible voice to speak to me when I was failing to listen to the quiet voice. God doesn't want to shout at us, but sometimes he does to get our attention. And my life was heading in one direction, and God spoke repeatedly to me in an audible voice way to get me to change my direction because he had something specific for me to do. And some of you know that full story. I've told it other times here before. And then another way that God sometimes chooses to speak is this one, through pictures, through visions, and dreams. Sometimes God will speak in visual ways to you. Where as you're praying, God will give you a picture or or a short, almost like a little movie clip. Or maybe sometimes you have a dream, and, and my dreams tend not to be anything response to prayer, God just doesn't speak to me in that way, but that doesn't mean that he won't speak to you that way. But when God speaks through any of these methods, we actually have a task to do. And that task is that we have to use discernment and we have to seek confirmation. If we just run off and follow what it is, we may actually just be listening to that spicy burrito you ate the night before. We may not actually have heard God. But when we use confirmation and discernment, when we actually say, okay, God, is that what you said? Is that what you communicated to me? He'll confirm it. God loves to confirm his word, what he said, what he's spoken, because it will lead us closer to him. 
And so here's a couple guidelines that can help us in this. God will never tell you to do something that contradicts scripture. God will never tell you to lie, to cheat, to steal, to have an affair. God will never tell you to do that or give you permission to do those things because that is a direct contradiction to his written word. So the implication of that is, do we know God's written word? Do we know what God said so that we're able to evaluate what we've heard through what he said in his written word? That's a challenge for us, maybe. And if this is something new to you, if this is something you've never experienced before, seek wise advice from other mature followers of Jesus before you act. This is why last week we talked about being in community is so important. Talk with someone who may be further ahead than you in their spiritual journey. Say, I was praying about this and I heard this or I saw this or I was reading scripture and this came up. What do you think about this? Hold it loosely. Let God have opportunities to confirm it. Because God wants us to know his voice. In fact, Jesus was telling a parable, a metaphor once, trying to describe his relationship with us. And he uses the image of a sheep and their shepherd. And during the parable, he says this, speaking of himself in the third person, Jesus says, after he has gathered his own flock, so Jesus is saying, after I've gathered my flock, he walks ahead of them and they, the flock, follow because they know his voice. Jesus is telling us that we, his flock, get to follow him because we know his voice. This is something everyone can learn through prayer, is how to hear and recognize God's voice. This might seem scary. This might seem completely new. You might be like, no, no, no. I thought God only spoke in scripture, and after that, God's never spoken again. But this is the truth. This is what God continually says throughout scripture, is that he wants us to know his voice. He wants us to hear directly from him. He wants us to act on that. And he wants us to do that together. So as you're experiencing this, one of the practices that I highly recommend is to write out your prayers, to journal your prayers. If you feel like you've heard from God on something, write it down, because otherwise our minds are finite. We forget it. We lose track of it. Write it down and keep coming back to it and say, God, is this what you said? Is this what you mean? And God will confirm it because God constantly wants to lead us closer to him. So what do I pray about? Everything. How do I pray? You can follow Matthew 6, 5 to 13 as a guide. How does God answer? Well, he speaks in many, many ways. But it is up to us to open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to listen. That is the part we play in him, in this having a relationship with him. Because it is impossible to have an intimate relationship with God without prayer. We can know of God. We can know about God. But if we want to experience that love that we sang about this morning, if we want to experience the love that we talked about at the beginning, we have to choose to lean in and have this close, intimate relationship with God. Because that's what he desires for us. And so we're going to close our service today by taking communion together and singing another song, and then we're going to wrap up. And communion is this practice of the church that goes all the way back to the last evening that Jesus had with his disciples before Jesus knew that he would be arrested and crucified and he would be executed on a cross. But Jesus also knew what would happen next. That even though he would be killed, he would come back to life. He would demonstrate his power over death, over sin, over everything. 
by coming back to life. And so when we take communion, we do this to remember Jesus' love and his sacrifice. We remember his deep love for us and that he was willing to give himself up so that we could be in a relationship with him. The other thing that when Jesus did this with his disciples, he told them to remember this covenant I'm making with you, this new covenant that God made with us, that it doesn't matter who we are, the path to God is open to everyone through Jesus. This is the new covenant that we remember when we take the elements of communion. And lastly, we remember our unity with each other. This is something practiced by every church, even though our methods may vary differently. Communion is something that every follower of Jesus has in common. We may meet in different churches on a Sunday, but communion is something we all share in together to recognize that all of us are drawn together by this new covenant. All of us are drawn together by Jesus' love and his sacrifice. And for us specifically, one of the things we do here is we practice what we call open table communion. That means it's available to anyone who has chosen to put their trust in Jesus. You don't have to be a partner here. You don't have to be on a serve team. You don't have to be in a life group. If you're here and you've made that choice to put your trust in Jesus, or maybe you're at that point where you've been wondering about this, where maybe God's been nudging at your heart and you've been saying, maybe I'm, it, it's time. Maybe it's time for me to cross that step of faith to say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to accept what you've done for me. I'm going to accept your gift of salvation. Today could be that moment where you cross that step. And if you do that, we want to celebrate with you and we'd encourage you to fill out your Connect card and check off that you're choosing to put your trust in Jesus. You're choosing to give your life to him. And we'd love to give you some resources and help you start that journey. And after communion, as the band plays, we do a benevolent offering. This is a special offering that we do because we recognize we have this freedom in Christ because of what he's done for us. And so these funds go directly to help people who are in need in our community. They don't stay here. We distribute these funds in ways that help people and show his love. So what I want to invite you to do is we're going to put on some music. And I want to invite you to come up and take the elements. The round crackers are gluten-free. The square ones are not, just so you know. So come up and, and pour yourself a bit of the juice. Take a cracker. And then return to your seats and take a moment just by yourself and remember these things. Remember Jesus' love and his sacrifice. Remember the covenant he made with us. Remember our unity with another. And take a moment and pray. And it can be as simple as, God, thank you for what you've done for me. Amen. It can be as simple as that. Prayer is something that everyone can do. Prayer is something that God has designed for us so that we can be in a closer relationship with you. And I'm not going to make any prescribed rules about you should pray this often or what time of day you should pray. That's up to you to choose how will prayer be part of your walk with God? How will prayer be part of something that draws you closer and closer to God? So let me pray for us as we close. Lord, you have provided us with so much. You've given yourself so freely to us so that we could be in a relationship with you. And then you give us this way of communicating with you so that our hearts will be transformed and shaped to become more like you. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to be aware of prayer, that you would prompt us and encourage us to pray about the things we face, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how near or if they're distant in the future. Lord, would you help us that whatever it is we're worried about, whatever we're thinking about, whatever we're going through, 
would you help us turn to you in prayer? And Lord, would you help our ears and our eyes and our hearts to be open to hear you when you respond? In your name we pray. Amen. Folks, next week we are wrapping up this series of Simple Church. And then the week after we're launching into our new series, Dollars and Cents. So folks, I hope to see you next Sunday. We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.